Welcome to You Are Seen, The Untold Stories. Here, we share personal experiences in hopes that we can transform the way we see others. I'm Nick Chazan, a storyteller and filmmaker who believes in producing with a greater purpose. We all have a story to tell, and I think we should start listening to each other in order for us to create a more loving world. When we hear and understand someone else's story, we're telling that person and that community, you are seen. This season, we're focusing on uplifting Black voices. For this interview, I sat down with Dorian Stern on June 5th, 2020, during the height of the Black Lives Matter protests across the U.S. and the world. There were absolutely times where I felt like I was being treated a certain way because of the color of my skin. People may not want to talk to me because of the color of my skin. People may have assumptions about me because of the color of my skin. I heard with my very own ears the officers say, get them one for each of you. And I can't tell you, I can't explain to you, hearing that makes it difficult for me to sleep at night. Dorian is an African-American filmmaker, producer, and photographer based in Jersey City, New Jersey. His passion lies in the art of documentary storytelling and photojournalism. I am honored to welcome Dorian Stern. So my name is Dorian Stern. I was born in Pomona, New Jersey, small town. I am 27 years old and my ethnicity is African-American and Puerto Rican. So if you could tell me a little bit about your upbringing, your town, like how was that growing up in that small town? Yeah, sure thing. So I'm an only child. Being raised in Pomona, New Jersey, I was only there for a couple of years as a baby. And then my parents, we moved to another small town called Galloway, New Jersey, which was predominantly white. Mm-hmm. Um, so growing up, I was fortunate enough to not have to see a lot of the injustices that are done to African-Americans, mm-hmm. Black people, people of color. My parents, they were pretty fortunate to have good jobs, to pretty much get the things that they wanted, which is interesting too, because even, you know, there's Black people who are also privileged in what they have, and mm-hmm. it's important for them to educate themselves. My parents, uh, when I was growing up, they taught me pretty much just what every other Black child had to be taught growing up which is that in your life, there's going to be people who, no matter how good you may come off or how much humility you may have, you know, whatever you might do uh, for justice or for this country, there's people who are going to not like you in this world because of your skin color. My dad had to tell me that growing up. My mom had to tell me that. Everyone in my family knows it. So I didn't really experience too much racism in my life until I became a teenager. Uh, when I got my license, when I got a car. I think the very first time I ever experienced any racism or profiling was when I got pulled over by a police officer for allegedly making a wrong turn, but that turn wasn't a wrong turn. (laughs) Uh, I feel as though they were just trying to meet their quota that they had to make. So I got a ticket for doing absolutely nothing wrong. That was the first instance. So yeah, I would say that on the other side of my family, my mom's sister, my aunt, she, however, grew up in Atlantic City. Mm-hmm. And we have a very small family, so my aunt, I'm incredibly close with my aunt, incredibly close with my cousin. There's not many of us, but when I was being watched by my aunt a lot of times when I was younger, there were times when I would hear, you know, gunshots in Atlantic City, and we had to be very careful about where we were going because Atlantic City is a very poor area where a lot of crime happens because there are 
obviously systems in place that don't really that black people don't really benefit from and so that's why there's such high crime there so i i kind of experienced both worlds uh i i experienced the privileged world and i experienced the underprivileged world as well did you feel like the first time you felt that there was a difference between you and other people was from that encounter with the police or was it some other time that happened think, before that i think that as i started growing up once i got into middle school and high school there were absolutely times where i felt like i was being treated a certain way because of the color of my skin mm-hmm. people may not want to talk to me because of the color of my skin people may have assumptions about me because of the color of my skin even so much so to that you know if i'm interested in someone who is not the same color as me that person might not be attracted to me because of my skin color mm-hmm. yeah there were many instances like that although our school was pretty diverse there was always batches of people in high school who definitely either weren't aware of their prejudices or or the stereotypes that they put on black people or or their racism uh so yeah i think me and everyone else has probably experienced that in some way shape or form and so trying to go through school go through life did you feel like there was this role model this like activist in your life that set the example for you um i think I mean, of course, my parents were always great role models for me. They, they never really let the color of their skin affect their success or who they knew they could be as a person. I would say there wasn't any one person in particular, but uh, if I had to choose one, I would say my aunt certainly was a huge role model for me because she experienced a lot of injustices in her life. So she always made it clear to me what my skin color represented and how I have to stand above that and uh, not let certain people portray me in the way they might want to portray me. Because I think a lot of times, and not to get too personal or into it, but a lot of times I think my aunt experienced a lot more injustice than my mother did uh, because they have very two different personalities. And the thing about racism is that a lot of times people can treat you a certain way because of the type of personality that you have. That also ties into racism. So, for example, there's a stereotype against African-Americans that they're always angry people all the time, whether it's the look on their face or the attitude that they have. And my aunt was always somebody who a lot of times had a lot of anger inside of her and a lot of frustration because of the injustices that are done to us. She always wanted me to be aware that it's okay for you to be angry. You don't have to dumb down your uh, frustrations with racism. And that was, I think at first that was hard for me to understand because I surrounded myself with a lot of uh, white people and I didn't have too many black friends growing up because of where I grew up. So a lot of times I felt like if I did have these feelings inside of me, uh, it felt a little bit uncomfortable to bring them up because you always hear things, you know, why is race always have to come into the discussion or any type of phrase or sentence that might strike me in such a way that makes me feel like, oh, I I better not talk about this Mm -hmm. because it's going to make other people uncomfortable. And now finally people are realizing that, no, we have to talk about it. I shouldn't be quiet about it. These are things that you need to be uncomfortable with. And these are things that also sometimes make me uncomfortable. I need to learn how to not be uncomfortable with those things as well, because it's conversations that have to be had. Yeah. And I think the big thing is like, there's not one way to be black, right? So like, I feel like that's a huge thing that I try to communicate to everyone I speak to, because I feel like people just put people in molds. But like, what would you tell the youth that's coming up, right? The black America, like the youth that's coming up today, like what sort of encouragement or sort of outlook should they have? 
I would encourage them to embrace embrace being black. Yeah. I, I think that encapsulates everything. I think for far too long, like a, a lot of black people like myself have been quiet on situations like this because they're afraid to speak up. Mm-hmm. Not only are white people afraid to speak up, but black people are also afraid to speak up. They need to be proud of who they are. They're loud. Be proud that you're loud. If you like rap music, love that you like rap music. If you love chicken, love that you love chicken. Don't, and whatever stereotype people mm-hmm. may try and throw on you, embrace that and understand that you are unique the way you are. You don't need to change who you are or to be quiet about things that people might not like about you because of your skin color. Embrace who you are every single day. Stand up and, and educate yourself because. There's a lot of things about the history of racism that I had to educate myself on because as you and I both know, schools, it's not in their curriculum to teach the things Mm -hmm. that that we need to know about, you know? Some people don't learn about things until they see it in a Netflix series or a movie. The massacre that happened in Tulsa, Black Wall Street. Mm -hmm. A lot of people didn't know about that until they saw Watchmen on HBO. So it's like, these are things that people, that Black people need to start teaching themselves about white people included, when they grow up. So that way they can defend themselves and so that way they can stand up for people of color, for black people, and represent ourselves in a way that is not going to be quiet or shut down by the systems that are trying to shut us down. Yeah. And I think one way now, especially the last week and a half, is protesting, right? You can both learn, especially if you're white, you can go to a protest and learn so much. Could you share, I know you've went like literally almost every day, but (laughs) tell us the cities you've been to and then tell us what your experience was. Yeah, so I've been going to the protests in New York City. I would say it's it's been about almost two weeks of protests. I've gone maybe the last like seven to eight days with maybe like a day break in between. And the protests there are, they are not where Minneapolis is right now. Mm-hmm. They're not at that level of danger, but every day it's becoming more and more like it. I myself know, as well as I'm sure everybody else knows, that they're taking a risk mm-hmm. when they go out to these protests. I've been to other protests before, but they are not as dangerous or violent as these protests are. And every single day there are new things that are being implemented that make it more difficult to uh, to stay at these protests. Uh, New York City, they've been recently shutting down Uber and Lyft. Uh, they're blocking off subways. They're blocking off tunnels. And the other day, I had to, to to get back home because I'm in Jersey City. I had to find another way to get back home because the Oculus World Trade Center path was blocked off. It's almost like they don't want you to leave. They want to have an opportunity to be able to arrest you if they can. Even the city bikes stop at 6 o'clock. And most recently that everyone knows now is the curfew, the 8 p.m. curfew that they just instilled. So it's it's a huge risk going out there. The first protest that I went to, which was about a week ago, and I, I talked about this in my uh, in, on my Instagram account, because I wanted to try to articulate what I felt at that protest, because I don't think a news article is really going to be able to do that, as well as the people who attended it. And for the most part, these protests are peaceful, and increasingly so, because the people who are organizing it, they are reiterating the fact that if there is somebody there who is trying to incite violence, if there's someone there who's trying to take advantage of the situation so that way they can loot or upset the police, then we identify that person and we remove them from the protest because that's not what we're trying to do. We can't be like the police officers are 
we can't start violence because we know that they're waiting for that moment for us to just mess up so that way they can take out those batons and start beating people and arresting people for no reason. Mm -hmm. But on that first day when I went to that protest, it was great, but up until the, till the very end, when people started straggling behind because they were tired, because they're walking for, for miles upon miles all across Manhattan or Brooklyn or Harlem, wherever, I had came out of a store because I got a bottle of water. And when I got out of that store, the police noticed that, that we're straggling behind the, uh, the main group of people. And, and there was about maybe 100 people at this time, about maybe at 7 o'clock at night. And because they saw those stragglers, I heard with my very own ears the officers say, get them one for each of you. And I can't tell you, I can't explain to you, hearing that makes it difficult for me to sleep at night. Because it, sound, it came across so predatory as if we were lambs to the slaughter as if they were a pack of wolves ready to hunt down sheep. It was terrifying. Yeah. And at a moment's notice, the, the people who were so united in this protest are now running for their lives. Mm. And they don't know where they're running to. I'm, I'm doing the best that I can to record and show people what's happening because this is the stuff that you're not going to see on the news. What that officer said, you're not going to hear that on the news. And it also hurts because I feel helpless. I can't do anything to help these people. All I can do, all any of us can do, is sit back and, and record and, and s while we're screaming and yelling at these police officers to, to stop what they're doing. One individual was attacked by five, five or six officers. Five or six officers. And for what reason, I don't, I don't understand. Just, just because they can, I, I don't get it. Yeah. And it's a terrifying thing to see. I don't think people really understand it's one thing to see these videos on instagram and on twitter and on facebook but when you're there and you actually understand and feel the terror that black people experience every single day mm -hmm. it's an entirely different story it's not something that you can put into words and my account is just one of hundreds of thousands of accounts there's people who are who have been arrested there's people who've been hit with rubber bullets there's people who are in the hospital right now because of how brutal the police officers have been and yet those people still wanna find some way to be out there because we are in a revolution right now. The revolution is finally being televised and people are ready to risk their lives for this because this is, this is unprecedented. This is, we've never seen anything this vile and this evil uh, before, except maybe 400 years ago when slavery yeah. was, was, was large and, and prominent in, mm -hmm. in the country. Yeah. So I understand that not everybody is cut out to to be a part of a protest. Not everybody is a, is a leader. Not everybody knows how to use their voice in that fashion. There are other ways that you can help. There's people out there who are handing out water and snacks mm -hmm. to the protesters. There's people there who have, who have medical supplies for protesters. Uh, so there's so many ways that you can help. So I would encourage people, if you feel up to it, join a protest. And not all of them are that violent. There's, there's many in New Jersey that are happening that are less violent, that are peaceful. Thank God that they're less violent. In Jersey City, we haven't had any, as far as I know, we haven't had any that have been violent at all. In fact, I think there's been a few where police officers have even kneeled mm -hmm. uh, to be on our side. So although it is, it is very dangerous to be at these, this is what we have to do. We have to fight for our lives because at this point, sadly, our government in this country is not going to give us our freedom. Yeah. It's something that we have to fight for every single day. 
and not only that, but it's like we're fighting two viruses, two evils right now, racism and COVID. Yeah. So that too is something to be concerned about. I get it. I think about it every day I go out there, but this is where we're at in America right now. And it's, it's what has to be done. Yesterday, I interviewed someone who went to Newark and Patterson, okay. and they were basically saying like what you just mentioned, like there's dancing in the street, there's peaceful protesting. Like, yeah. I went to a few in Jersey as well. And I feel like the cities that people thought, right? Newark. I mean, 1970s, all the riots and everything right. going on in Newark. Yeah. Um, and how long it took them to really build up the city. It's interesting to see how those cities had really peaceful protests. Yeah. It's like just different perspectives. So Yeah, absolutely. So now like, I guess everyone is saying and on social and everything. And I think Oprah's even having a two-day special on, mm-hmm. and now what? Right. So like yeah. we think of like frequency versus right. intensity, right? This past right. two weeks has been very intense. Incredible. But now how about that frequency? So what could people do in their everyday life to make this a dialogue that continues, you know, make this something that people strive for change? You know, there's a lot of conversations happening in in white households that kids are finally standing up to their parents and saying no dad no mom this is not how they are you know what i mean right so what can people do on an ongoing basis to sort of help yeah sure and and this kind of ties into what i said about you know if you're not comfortable with going to a protest right there's so many things right now uh, that can be done. There's a wealth of information that's being spread out across social media right now for ways that people can help out. And I just, I just put together a small list of things. If that's, if that's okay, I'm just going to read off a few things. But one of the, one of the first things or one of the smallest things that you can do is just start educating yourself on uh, the history of racism. There are so many books and so many movies and uh, podcasts that people can listen to. They can read uh, White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo, Between the World and Me by ta Coates, Beloved by Toni Morrison. I recommend any book by Toni Morrison. Uh, so you want to talk about race, the color of law, uh, podcasts you can listen to, 1619 by New York Times. Uh, Momentum, A Race Forward, The Diversity Gap. And not only that, but there's, um, there's petitions that people can sign. There are so many petitions going on right now. There's justice for Breonna Taylor. We can't forget about her. The people who killed her and came into her house and shot her dead are still out there right now. They haven't been charged with anything. We can't forget those people. We can't forget Tony McDade. We can't forget Ahmaud Arbery. There's Raise the Degree, uh, Justice for George Floyd. Um, and there's many places that people can donate to, Minnesota Freedom Fund, Run with Maud, Black Trans Women Fund, Change the NYPD, Justice for Brianna, National Bailout, Black Youth Project. There's a great one that just came out recently called uh, Campaign Zero. I'm sure you've heard about it. They just launched uh, Eight Can't Wait, which is eight policies that have power to reduce police violence that result in death up to 72%. I know there's even some in Jersey City right now where there's certain policies that I thought were in place are not in place as far as firing at a moving vehicle or a policy that allows police officers to chokehold individuals. That policy needs to be put in place. You could watch 13th by Ava DuVernay, incredible documentary about mass incarceration and how we are in a modern time of slavery. There is so much out there that people can dive into and, and start learning about. And I don't want to forget it. People need to register to vote. People need to register to vote. Primaries have already started. Um, I know for New York, it's June 23rd and New Jersey, it's July 7th. Whatever reason you miss that primary, don't forget that November 3rd is election day. 
So people need to understand these things. They, know, they need to know that they can use their voice to fight for these things. I myself have been donating every other day. I myself have been calling DA offices, district attorneys, reaching out to uh, legislators, state officials, emailing them. There's so much on Instagram right now that's even setting up ways where they have the whole email set up for you. All you have to do is implement your yeah. name and where you're from. It's doing all the work for you. So there's no excuse why people can't be doing or partaking in all these things to help bring more awareness to uh, Black lives. One of the most important things that uh, white people need to understand is that they need to get through being uncomfortable about this. Because in reality, I'm gonna be real with you, if you're white, there's not many times in your life where you're gonna have to be uncomfortable because of your skin color. Get through that uncomfortableness because I have to be uncomfortable every single day. They don't have to be uncomfortable every single day. So get through that, have those difficult conversations with your friends, have those difficult conversations with your family members, with your coworkers, whoever, because that is where the real change starts. It's very easy to sit comfortably in privilege. It's so, so easy. And I think people need to start understanding that they can't do that anymore because whether they know it or not, there are systems in place right now that certain people may not want to let go of because it gives them privilege. They have to start really self-reflecting, looking into themselves and ask themselves, why doesn't this concern me as much as it should? If they haven't seen the video of uh, George Floyd, I think they need to watch it. I think they need to open their eyes to what's happening. You can't turn a blind eye to this anymore. I don't know how anybody can, to be honest with you. So I think they need to watch it. And I think they need to educate themselves daily. Don't come to black people asking about what they can do. Start learning it for yourself. I'm happy to have discussions with people. I'm, I've spoken with people on the phone for hours just to have a conversation about what's going on, not so much about what they can do, but just to understand each other. That, that's a very important thing that people need to get. It's not about, there are a lot of wrongs that have been done to black people, but at the end of the day, black people, I think, are crying out, not only to stop being killed, but to be understood. To have a conversation is to understand a person, to understand where they're coming from and why they feel the way that they feel. So if people can start doing that, then I think we can start seeing some real change in our, in our everyday lives because there's going to come a time when George Floyd's death is no longer trending. Mm-hmm. So when it's not trending anymore, it's up to us to use these resources that we have to have these conversations that need to be had to see some real change happen. Yeah. And I think to that point, like trending and, and how long it's going to trend for, I think George Floyd's daughter put it the best way, like daddy changed the world. Yeah. I think every country right now whatever each country individually is going through i know palestine my cousins were in the street protesting and going through their different things there so there's a lot of hope that comes from it and like seeing that seeing the protests all around the world like it served its bigger purpose it sort of brought us together where do you get your hope from for the future like how do you see this really changing things and bringing a light to something that was always in the darkness yeah to your point about protests happening all over the world now people are starting to realize that not only is it a systemic problem but it's 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 a human problem and for anyone to sit back anywhere in the world and uh, ignore what's happening right now to, to to go about their day and continue posting 
you know, their, their, their pictures of brunch or them at the beach and stuff like that. It's a sign of ignorance. I'm not saying that people should uh, not go to the beach or not enjoy a day off from protesting. That's not what I'm saying. You can enjoy your life, but I'm saying that there should be some part of you that finds it difficult to go on with your everyday life. There should be, there, part of me has a hard time saying I need a break from taking a protest because part of me feels like that's selfish uh, and, and ignorant to say because a man has died. Uh, a friend of mine just shared a video on Instagram talking about, he gave himself eight minutes of silence to, to reflect and think about George Floyd. And what he said, what, which I thought was really interesting was that, you know, we don't think about how fast time goes by. We're such in a rush for the very next thing, whatever that may be. We're in a rush to get back to our normal schedules. We're in a rush to kill time while we're in isolation so we can get back to regular life, whatever that regular life may be. But when you actually sit down and, and meditate and think for eight minutes about what George Floyd went through, how he was calling out to his mom, who, was, who already passed away, calling out to his mother, screaming because he can't breathe. It's difficult to sit there for eight minutes and think about that. Those eight minutes that normally would go by so quickly and whatever else you're doing seem like forever. And, and even just sitting there for eight minutes is nothing compared to what he went through. And that is the kind of empathy that we need to have for each other. That is what we need to do. We need to not be so concerned with ourselves. We need to get back to basics and understand what it means to actually care for a person, to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and to understand the difficulties that black people are going through every single day. I really, really hope that people will start to dig deep inside themselves and take eight minutes to reflect on this, to reflect on George, to reflect on what every black person has to go through and understand that, okay, I need to do better. I need to start using my privilege or whatever it is that you have for good because this is not how we're gonna survive. Something has to change right now. Yeah. That was really good. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like I yeah, could go absolutely. on for two more hours. <laughs> I know. Like, I, could talk, I could talk with you forever. I know. Yeah, yeah. But, no. but it's good because, and I'm happy that you, I'm really happy that you're doing this because, yeah. you know, you're using your platform in the way that you can. And, and I appreciate you reaching out to me and whoever else you reach out to because this, this is what has to happen. You know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have a kid one day and have to yeah. be fearful of what, what he may go through or she may go through, you know, this 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 is what is good right now. So I'm yeah. I'm very appreciative of you doing this. It, yeah, it of, course. of course, of course. To learn more about Dorian and more, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at URCN Podcast. And I want you to join me every Thursday. So make sure to subscribe and review this podcast and share with your friends and family. Do you have a story to share? I want to hear it. Email me at nickjuzdan at gmail.com. A special thanks to our team. Editor, Angelica Salvador. And Marketing and Graphic Design, Victoria Ayu. I'll see you next Thursday for another episode of You Are Seen, The Untold Stories. Make sure to spread love and be kind. Thank you.